A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night. Mercury, Mercury Stardust. She'll teach you how to make it all alright. Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am. My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals, thank you for listening to this episode of the Handy Ma'am Hotline. Today I am joined by my wonderful co-host, the amazing Basil. Yay, I'm here. <laughs> Basil and I are getting ready to be on the road for our second leg of the tour. Is that not right? Um, that is right. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have asked that in the weirdest way possible. All that being said, we are getting ready for our second leg of the tour. And we're going to be in Boston in like two days. Which is so cool. I have never been to Boston. Have you ever been to Boston? I think I have been to Boston before. I, it's all blur of the sure. places that I've been to yeah. when I used to travel as a performer. But we didn't do the East Coast a ton. It was a lot of central america we did that's why when i i used to say like i've been to 25 states a lot of them are like right in the central area and Mm -hmm. some are in the east but okay we're doing boston and then new haven philadelphia lancaster and then i think like baltimore and etc we're just driving straight down that coast yeah it's gonna be i think it's 14 days and 12 cities 12 stops 13 cities I don't know, we're doing two a day sometimes yes there's two i think there's two days that we have two um events but yep. there's two days that we don't have any events so i think it evens out so i think there's 14 events i think our double days are like lancaster pennsylvania and philadelphia pennsylvania and then I think it's Baltimore, Maryland, and D.C. I think you're correct. Uh, yeah, it's the first week or so. Mm-hmm. We are doing two a day twice in the, like one week period. That means we're going to be meeting like 600 people-ish. In days. one day? Yeah. Oh my God, that's right. Because we've been averaging 250 to 300. Uh-huh. Wow, wild. That's a lot of people. Yeah, I have been seeing multiple spaces now multiple stores we're going to go to are already sold out before we go so if you have not registered i would highly recommend registering with your bookstore if they require that for the event that we're going to be at all the locations that we're going to can be looked up by going to mercurystardust.com now all that being said we are ready to answer your questions for the day i believe we have three questions we are going to answer today okay good we're going to do a good old-fashioned three means I'm going to give him a little bit extra time. Basil's going to read them off for me, and then I'm going to use my noggin and my 16 years, now 17 years of experience in maintenance. I know. I'm getting so close to 20. Here's the thing. When you hit 20 years of anything, you know, it's great. I have all those years of experience, but that also means I have all those years of experience. (laughs) Like, the other day I realized that I have memories when i was working like i've been in the workforce for over 20 years now Mm -hmm. that is a wild thing to say out loud and i hate it mortality i tell you what anyways 
Basil, are you ready to answer some cues? I am so ready. I'm going to read you this question from Becca. She, her pronouns. Becca says, Hi, Mercury. I was watching your drywall fixes, trying to figure out if you can just use the tape and compound to fix a lifting seam. Mm. You can see the tape of the drywall peeling at the edges, and she has included some photos for you to look at. Well, Becca, thank you for the good old question. Now, okay, wonderful. This is exactly the kind of thing that I'm always afraid of. So what's interesting about this photo that, that they're sending is that this is a drywall in the middle of a wall. This is in corner bead. This is in an angle. This is in a flat area on the ceiling, right? And the reason why that scares me is because that could mean, yes, it could mean that there wasn't enough mud applied underneath the actual drywall tape. It could also mean that the drywall sheet itself is separating from the 2x4 or the joist. The reason why I bring that up is because sometimes, you'll see them on the internet, sometimes what happens is people use nails instead of using screws or something, Mm -hmm. or they'll go through the drywall. Like, once you... You can go into the tape a little bit. There's always this debate about how far you're supposed to drive a, a screw and stuff. But once you go too far into the drywall sheet, there, there isn't a much strength for it to be held up anymore. And I think that could have happened here. It looks like it might just be like a very dry piece of drywall tape. But what you can do, and you, you can do this pretty simply. You don't need to get too complicated out of the gate. But I would say... Try really quickly to take some joint compound and put it underneath the tape. Like slide your blade underneath there and then just add some mud and then kind of like let that dry up. You could try to use five-minute mud or what we call is hot mud because that's going to set faster. It won't dry faster, but it will set faster. It means it's probably going to hold the tape up a little bit more. And then it's just a matter of building it out or making little on and off ramps for the mud so there is no hump when you're done if that makes sense oh there is a hump but it's very gradual is there any like prep steps that we need to do before just going and slapping some stuff up on there you know that's just a small i would say that's probably like three to four feet maybe maybe three feet total of length i would say you know i would rather be safe than sorry i would probably drive a screw or two into the drywall into the ceiling just to make sure on either i would say let me see here i would definitely drive at least one or two screws into the beam where that seam is because that's a straight seam and whenever you see a straight seam like that it it could be that it's dry it could just be that or it literally could be the sheet is like coming separate and it's slowly doing it but once it goes multiple sheets will go like that's typically how that usually works because they're all connected by tape and they're all connected by paint and they have thick layers on there. So when one sheet goes down, a bunch of can go down. You can find those videos on TikTok and YouTube of people's ceilings collapsing basically from that same reasoning. So I would definitely throw in a few more screws. And then as far as prep goes, there isn't much besides you need a trowel and then you need some mud and then five minute mud would be recommended. Maybe some type of like putting knife. I would say at least eh, you probably get away with a one inch knife because there isn't much there. And if you want to seal it up and make it look all pretty, that would be what I would do. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think so. We probably want to like throw down like a tarp or something down underneath the yeah, surface. You might. You can definitely throw plastic underneath you if you want to. I will say you probably won't need a whole lot. And the reason why I say that is because especially five minute mud does not really drip a whole lot. Okay. You definitely don't. You you couldn't get it really watery, but I always tell people to err on a side of like pancake batter. Sure. Is sure, what sure. you want for your mud. So if it's joint compound, it's going to be a little bit more. Like, it's going to run more. It's going to drop more. If it's five-minute mud, it ain't going to. Like, you're going to apply it. You're going to apply it underneath the seams. There's not going to be too much exposed. Let that seal up. And then you want to feather it out. So once you add the joint compound, maybe in that case, you might want to, you know, put something underneath it. And let's just say that, like, they have carpet underneath this and they did get some on their carpet. Oh, yeah. If it's joint compound, you can wash it up pretty good because it's basically just mud. And you take some, like, you just dampen in the area a lot with water and then you'll be able to get it right out. Now, if it's five-minute mud, much harder. You got to run. You got to, like, make sure you have the water ready. You got to make sure that you are trying to scoop rather than rub sometimes it's almost better to let it set sure let it Mm -hmm. actually like get into the carpet and then scrape it out gotcha it's kind of like with mascara do you know what i mean like when you accidentally screw up yes um mascara or eyeliner or something you should let it dry polish nail polish let it dry before you do it because you're going to sponge the fuck out of it that's a kind of the same premise with five minute mud or 10 minute mud they okay. they uh, dry so fast that if you try to smudge it, you're going to have a worse area, and then it's going to be that way for life. But with joint compound, you can clean it up pretty good. It doesn't matter if you smudge it because it's just water. It's just mud. You can just rub okay. it. You can rub it out. <laughs> out of context, very dirty thing I just said. <laughs> okay. I think we helped right out of the yeah, game. I think so. I think that was good. Let's cue up the second question. Okay, I'm going to play an audio for you. This is going to be the Jade Latex Paint Cleanup. Oh. Hi, Mercury. My name is Jade. My pronouns are she, her. I have a question about paint, specifically like house paint, latex paint. I could probably just Google it, but I thought I would give you some content. (laughs) Anyway, so it's mostly about cleaning up the paint. Like, is this okay to, like, do in my bathroom like wash it down the drain is it gonna like cause some kind of plumbing issue i don't know it's just kind of a nightmare i've done it out in the like the common area we have like a little spigot there but it just took like 20 minutes to get the paint out of the roller i just kept squeezing it out squeezing it out it just felt like there was no end to it so i don't know if there's a proper way to clean like rollers and paintbrushes and like you're a little tray as you put your paint in whatever it's called uh there's gotta be a better way <laughs> all right thank you i love you i love your book all right bye well jade this is a very good question and you asked the right person because i love this answer a lot when i was working at a company i worked at for years and years and years and years we had all this old paint this paint that needed to be disposed and they asked me like how do you think we're going to get rid of this or do we give this a habitat humanity and all that a lot of places like Habitat Humanity won't even take it. Like, they won't take used paint once it's been open and stuff like that. Sometimes, depending on what organization they might, but they got a whole bunch of rules and, and whatnot. And as far as, like, disposing of it, 
A lot of places won't have a whole lot of great, you know, solutions for you. Sometimes they'll have some type of disposal thing where you can like go to Sherman Williams and maybe ask them what they would do and if they would take it back from you. But here's my solution. And this is what we did for years in theater and also what I did in contracting. I would take the bucket of paint. I would put it in a five gallon bucket if I have to. And I would mix it with like low grade kitty litter. And the reason why is because I'm trying to dry it out. And you put all the kitty litter in there and it absorbs the hell out of all that liquid. And then it's now disposable. Like now you can actually dispose of it rather than what you could before. If you want to get really creative, you can take a sheet of plastic and put a whole bunch of kitty litter on it and then run the the um, the, the all the paint on it. And that can help with drying it out even faster in the sun and stuff like that. That was one way of disposing it. Highly recommend it. That's the way that we did. Now, as far as the cleaning itself, when it comes to the the rollers, I have found through the years of doing this that buying the most expensive rollers not really the way to go. Buying the ones that are about like, you know, in that lower range typically don't are not too bad. Right. The reason why I say that is because if you have a lot of quick turnaround, you can either A, leave it in the bucket, right? Leave the roller in the bucket so you don't have to clean it, or dispose of the roller. Um, if you have a really nice expensive roller, you're gonna be more compound and want to try to clean it. There's almost no good way to really clean it without destroying, like, you're. it's always going to be full of texture. The texture is now different than it was prior to having paint on it. And it won't be the same texture. It'll be, like, a slightly off. And I worry about that as far as a finished look. So I try to stay away from that. If you are really hell-bent on making that work, they make a 5-in-1 tool that painters use a lot. They call it painter's tool. And a 5-in-1 tool will have a curvature blade in it, right? It'll have this, like, big curve that's about the same circumstances of one of those roller covers. And it basically is a scraper. It goes right onto it, and you scrape it off like you're, like, trying to cut corn, basically. (laughs) And you get all of it right off. It's a really wonderful tool. Highly recommend it. You can use regular, like, uh, Dawn dish soap that has, like, anything that specializes in, in, like, removing oil and stuff, highly recommend Dawn dish soap for all of your paint brush cleaning. It works really well. Now, here's the thing. It should always take you about the same amount of time to clean a roller and your paintbrush. It should, like, if you if you paint for, like, three hours, it should take you the same amount of time as if you're painting for 10 minutes. And the reason why is because the way it soaks in there, right? Once the paint gets in there, it should always get in there. You should try to avoid, when you're using a brush, avoid getting it into, like, right in the base of the bristles. You want to get the tip of it. You only want, if you got, like, a three-inch brush, right, you only want two and a half inches at the most with paint. You never want to get up in there because then it will take you a lot longer. You'll never get it out. There will always be deposits of, like, latex that's left over and those kind of things. If you have a brush that's been beat up, right, I recommend getting yourself a brush comb. Those brush combs can bring back to life. I'm kind of showing a picture to Basil right now. They can bring it back to life. Basically, they're a whole bunch of nails through a piece of wood, essentially. And essentially what it is, and it goes right through the the, the brush, and that really helps it a lot. I've brought them back many Many nylon brushes over the years that I've used with that brush cleaner that has made 
you know, the brush comb that really made a huge difference. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know those existed. Yeah. And also, like, running hot water will do really good on the, the cover if you really want to. And I like to keep it on the roller. Like, I will keep the roller cover on the roller and then just let the hot water run it. And then just, mm-hmm. you know, almost like it's shooting water off. I like that. And I'll run it all the way across. I want to be able to rub my arm with the paintbrush or roller and not get any... Like, I want it to be clear water when I'm done. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I think the only other thing that I might add to that is that, you know, if you have, like, paint left over and it's, like, not, you know, just, like, a tiny little bit. If it's, like, a a decent amount left over, you can always look into, like, local buy-nothing groups that might want. Yeah. You can get rid of a lot of stuff. Yeah. If you look, like, in Marketplace, even on, like, Facebook and stuff, you will see a lot of people trying to get rid of paint and stuff like that. It's a great way to try to do stuff in a more of a affordable route. But and I've you... actually, I've gotten paint that way yeah. um, because uh, for wanting to do like painting projects in, in the house, you know, because you want to use house paint to like paint a mural on the wall. Yes. Yeah. I will say if it's, if you're trying to go through a nonprofit, you might have a problem because chemicals, they're so strict with the MSDS with those mm-hmm. that sometimes you can have a problem if you don't have an adequate MSDS sheet with the paint that you got. I know that's like a really like that's like a very specific thing. Yeah. But we've gone through this so many times. Yeah. So going through like individual is almost always better than going through mm-hmm. an organization. Okay. Did I answer the question real good? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I answer that way more thoroughly than you think that I would about a question about cleaning paint. <laughs> but I also, you know, not actually because like I know how much you love painting and painting questions. So that doesn't actually surprise me. Yeah. Like I almost jumped out of my chair as soon as you said it. <laughs> Okay. All right, let's get our final question. Here. Oh my god, a final question, and then we're off to sign more books today. Oh my god, I know. Oh, where could you go? Where'd you go? Cut night, Joe. If you like this episode of Mercury tries to make music with her mouth, you should definitely listen to the after show pre show that you can get on our Patreon that me and Basil did before this wonderful podcast. But when you're listening in on Patreon, it comes after this podcast. It's really weird. Brought to you by Patreon. <laughs> All right, I've got um, another audio for you. This is going to be Nicole asking for some personal advice. Oh, okay. Hi, Mercury and friends. This is Nicole. She, her, hers. I am asking on a general question of how do I tell if I'm being taken advantage of? So by that, I mean I have maintenance people come. I grew up in a house where we can't need to trust anybody involved in maintenance, and I've actually been trying to be more trusting because it's I don't have the capacity to do every single thing on my own, which is how I was raised to do stuff. So I've been trying to get better about asking for help, but through that, that means I have maintenance people coming and going. And I just don't always know when I'm, yeah, being taken advantage of. Do I need all the repairs? How do I kind of navigate that landscape? Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Love what you're doing. Have a great day. Back in 2007, 2008, there was a lot more like online forums that would have a lot of people asking questions and then professionals who would respond to them. It's kind of become more of a thing more in Reddit. Reddit has a whole bunch of groups 
that are devoted on making sure that you are okay. The reason why I say that is because it's very hard to know for sure. I'm going to give you some tips and tricks. Like, I'm going to tell you things to watch out for. But reality, the best way sometimes is to reach out and ask for help. And the Internet's a wild place these days. You're able to actually ask help from a lot of people right out of the gate. I answer as many questions as I can for people. I've answered Instagram questions. I've answered emails. I can't do it all the time because I get so much and the volume is way too much and it can take a toll on me. But I do answer as many as I possibly can. All that being said, community, reaching out to people around you and asking you, hey, does this sound right? Like I worked with such and such. Does this sound right? Now, this is why I recommend, if you're a homeowner especially, to try to go to someone who has worked with someone else that you know. Like, if you work with a contractor, try to work with a contractor that someone in your life has had work in their home. The reason why that matters is because now you already have, like, a frame of reference. Do you know what I mean? Like... Now that person knows, too, that the person who recommended them is also connected. So they're not going to want to ruin their reputation in the friend group or in the the family and stuff like that. They know that word travels, right? Right. Word of mouth advertising is a thing. I really do recommend that if you can. There's a lot of times you can't, especially if you're new to a city or you're you're one of the only people in your friend group or something that has a home or um, you just had to out for for some reason reach out to a contractor who you don't have any type of connection with if that happens right i always think it's always okay to call up another contractor and have them take a look i've known people who have hired one contractor and then while the job is happening like you know, they're in the midst of the job and they one day where they're not on the job site, they have another contractor show up to take a look at the work during it. Some people don't like that. A lot of contractors hate that kind of mentality. I think accountability is okay at any given moment. And if you feel like at any moment in time, if you're talking to someone and you feel like something isn't right, chances are something isn't right. Trust your gut here. If there's a contractor that maybe quotes you a price and then all of a sudden right out of the gate, maybe the first day they're working on the job site, they are already talking about increasing the the price, maybe get another person to take a look at it right away. The reason why I say that is why didn't they know that ahead of time? Why did they not know the problem was arising? Why is it that they didn't have the frame of thought before they even appraised the job? All those things are really important and can kind of be a red flag. Lastly, I always tell people this, but when, when a contractor shows up and they, they're already someone that you haven't spoken to, that always makes me nervous because general contractors will hire it out to another contractor a lot of times. So you'll have a third party that usually shows up in an unmarked van or, you know, maybe they're showing up with their car without any type of labels on it or anything, and then they do the work. Well, that already makes me nervous. I want it to, the person I talk to, I want it to be the company in which I'm working with. So that's always my suggestion is trying to work with the company that actually is doing the work itself. Otherwise, I don't understand why going through the third party is a thing, but a lot of places will do that in order to get the higher volume of calls. Does that all make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I just wanted to add on to 
you were saying to seek out like communities and like ask people for specific situations. And I just wanted to mention that, you know, we have that Discord server now. Ooh, and great we actually, question. We have a, a forum set up for people to ask questions. And it could be like something you're having trouble with, like a project, or even if you're just like in a situation and you're not sure. Yep. I've been checking. We call it Do It Together, a DIT. And I love it. I've been checking it every day. We haven't had too many people ask questions. So right now is a great time. If you have individual questions, you can send us photos on there and interact with us. And I will do the best I can when I can to answer as many of your questions on our Discord. And yeah, I hope that that helps you. You know, here's the thing. If you ever feel like you're alone and you don't know what to do, just know that there's other people who have been alone and didn't know what to do. You don't know what you need to do until you see it sometimes. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And it's okay that in this instance, Nicole, that you, you're not positive. That little unsureness might be a good sign that you might need to go into a different direction. And if you are having an issue with a contractor not showing up because sometimes that's linked to these problems, right? A contractor will like start a job and then leave the job that way and then you won't hear from them for two or three weeks at a time. That is the most unnerving, terrifying things, especially when they leave their tools behind. Jeez, man. <laughs> the horror stories I've heard over the years. If that all happens, right? There are laws in most states that will state like, when a job becomes abandoned, mm -hmm. right? So you can look up your state, local, or county laws for contractors and see if you're within your rights to basically get refunded of the entire money. You, you know, if they left any tools behind, often those tools become yours by law and all that kind of stuff. Anything that you can do to sell back in order to take for the losses that you have had while they're in the middle of a job. So... I think it's something called like abandonment, like job site or something like that in most sites. Mm -hmm. I know Wisconsin has it. And I think it's something like a month, 30 days without any response mm -hmm. will like get you to, to get that job abandoned or something. Sure. Interesting. Interesting. And also, I just want to mention too, like if at any point you're dealing with someone and you feel like the situation or like the job site, anything is like a threat to your safety, like definitely check in, get some other people's eyes on the situation. Like do not feel bad for keeping yourself safe. It's okay to have a friend come over and to be your eyes and ears too. Like, you know, I will gladly in my friend group come over and just like hang out on the couch mm -hmm. and listen to a conversation while I'm reading a book. I'm a-okay about that. I think a lot of people are. Yeah. And if you're in a uh, one-party-only state where you mm -hmm. can record, always record. Yeah. Basil and I have talked about this before, but in the state of Wisconsin, this is a great example. We don't need anyone's consent in order to record a conversation we are directly in. So one party, if one party consents, you can automatically do that. Now, the reason why we say that is because often when you're dealing with business owners or, or people in this instance, they'll make promises verbally but then not in a contract or they'll go back on their word mm -hmm. or they'll say things that confuse you. I think it's also okay to, if you live in a two-party state, to 
ask for consent to record a conversation. Yeah, if the contractor is not willing to stand behind what they say to your face, then they're not willing to... That's a red to, flag. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's okay. I mean, some contractors might have valid reasons, but to me, I can't think of any. I would like to be able to record this conversation so I can remember what was said later on, mm-hmm. um, and that should be all you have to do. So... I think all those things can help you. And then that way you can play that um, recording back to someone you know in your life who might know a little bit more mm-hmm. too, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I answered it pretty good. I think so too. Oh, we did so good. Basil, I hope you had a really good time. I did. And I'm so excited for us to get back on tour. We are leaving so soon. Yes. And during that tour, we will be reading a book right now on yes. our Basil's Book Bugs um, <laughs> book <laughs> podcast that we are doing on Patreon only. If you are not a subscriber to Patreon, I highly recommend it, but no pressure. We are currently reading what book, Basil? Teach the Torches to Burn. It is a queer take on Romeo and Juliet, and it is very fun. I'm already two chapters in. It's very excited about it. You can join our Patreon, and you can join in as well. You can come get snug as a bug in a rug. <laughs> And read a book with us. Yeah, it's a good old time. Now, all that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And remember, you're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. The theme song was created by Rody Walker. Questions were picked up by our production assistant, Ziggy. A big thank you to our executive producer, Basil. And this podcast was recorded and edited by Matthew Allen Hag. Thank you for listening. See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the 